Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100-GAMBLER. Visit rg-help.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, we are back. This is the Ringer Soccer Gambling Show. I'm Steve Drew. always joined by the great Paul Carr from True Media. Paul, a lot to get into today. Uh, we're going to get into the Champions League quarterfinals, which is coming up. A uh, couple interesting matchups. Some, I, I, we were talking before the pod. I got two bets I like, but some of these games, I think we, I need, I need like another day. We're recording this on a Monday. The games obviously start on Tuesday and then Wednesday. I need like another day to kind of process some of this stuff, see who's playing, kind of how I feel. But I, I, I have two bets that I like. So we'll get to our Champions League. We'll break down all four of the matchups, obviously, and then get to our best bets at the end of the pod. We've also got uh, the EPL title race, which kind of got, I think, maybe flipped on its head a little bit in over the weekend with. Uh, Liverpool getting a result against uh, against Arsenal, and now I guess Arsenal's not plus money to win the title, uh, I believe for the first time in a while. Jesse March turning down Leicester. That's the second job he's turned down, so we'll get to that and whether or not that's a good move or not for him. Uh, Ricardo Pepe made some interesting comments about his future, um, obviously the, the number nine for the U.S. men's national team right now. And speaking of uh, American attacking players, Mal Swanson, we'll talk about her injury, which is pretty devastating before the Women's World Cup. Uh, but first, Paul, I, I got to ask you, because I was kind of locked in this morning to the fifth division of the uh, of the English <laughs> soccer pyramid, did you catch any of Notts County versus Wrexham this morning? Yeah, somehow I have dodged the whole Wrexham phenomenon. I'm aware of it, but I haven't <laughs> watched the series. I haven't watched a Wrexham game. Maybe a part of it's because I just actively dislike Ryan Reynolds' Hollywood persona, more of his on-screen persona, the smarmy, smug, yep. etc. I don't the like same that. character. Yep, I can see that. Right. So I think part of it's to that. So that's a long way of saying no. I didn't. I know what happened. I was not plugged into it. It was wild. I mean, you're right. Like, so I I did watch the series and I watched it with my wife and she's like, you know, like she watches soccer when I watch soccer, but I wouldn't say she's like a fan or anything, mm-hmm. but she's interested in the storylines and they do do a good job on the series. I got to be, I mean, this yeah. isn't like a plug for whatever, for, for welcome to Wrexham, but they do do a really good job of like one, like explaining the background of this club and why they invested in them. And like, they actually do have some history and kind of like the struggles of like, because they're basically living out every person who's ever played FIFA's dream of like coming mm-hmm. and take over a club and try to get them relegated or try to get them promoted and try to obviously buy the best players and see what you can do. Um, right. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of them because that's literally what I've done in FIFA since I was 12 years old. <laughs> uh, now, I, I, I used to always do championship clubs, never the fifth division. Fifth right. division teams weren't even in FIFA. But they, the, the show is funny. And Rob McElhinney is, is absolutely hysterical. But it was a wild game this morning. I mean, it was 3-2, Wrexham won. Um, there was a penalty at the end where the ringer's own uh, Ben Foster, who's now the goalie <laughs> for Wrexham, comes out of retirement after while yeah. hosting a podcast to to make a a penalty save, and it looks like they're going to get get promoted. So, um, you know, I, it was just like, it was it was a cool vibes all around. Like I'm not I'm I'm kind of invested, even though like I don't really know why I am. Right. Yeah. I I mean I've had like non soccer people. You know, I'm like the soccer fan in some people's lives. In the last minute, they want to know more about Wrexham, or they're they want to find someone who knows soccer to talk about it. So it's definitely. Pervasive might be overstating it, but it's got a a huge draw in the U.S. among soccer fans and non soccer fans alike. So, I may have to to chime in a little bit here as we get closer. To did you watch uh, with him? Did you watch Sonny Until I Die? 
I watched the uh, first couple episodes of that Netflix. a couple years ago. Yeah. One of the best sports stocks I've ever seen because they did like it was right in the middle of their free fall. They mm-hmm. had just been relegated from the Premier League and they were in the process of being relegated yeah. in the championship, which and it, it was it was honestly one of the, probably the top five soccer docs I've ever watched because it's just like they mm-hmm. talk to the backroom staff. Like, I mean, the people who cook the food. And it impacts, like, it just shows you how it impacts, like, how these, the loss of money and revenue and going down, like, just impacts not only the players and obviously the yeah. fans, but people who literally work in the building. Fantastic, fantastic uh, documentary. So I can't, I can't, I uh, can't recommend that enough. But yeah, if you have time, check out the Rex and things. It is kind of fun. Plus, I'm, I'm with you. I think Ryan Reynolds, he's okay. I don't, I, maybe I don't dislike him as much as you do, but I do. Uh, McElhenney is hysterical. So he's, he's worth <laughs> the, the, the price of admission alone. Um, all right, let's get into some some actual stuff that people probably care about, which is the Champions League quarterfinal legs here, Paul. Uh, let's take a look quickly at the um, at the odds overall to to win it here. Manchester City still the favorite, plus two hundred. Bayern Munich, who they are playing, plus four hundred. Napoli plus four ten. Real Madrid plus six hundred. Then you get into some of the the bigger longer shots, especially on the other side of the bracket. Benfica plus fourteen hundred. Chelsea plus sixteen hundred. Inter plus sixteen hundred. And the biggest long shot is AC Milan at plus nineteen hundred. Um, before we get into any of the matches there, Paul, anything that, I don't know, it, it hasn't changed a ton. I mean, City have been the favorite throughout. It seems like City and Bayern, basically, it's we're waiting on whatever the result of that to, to, to be the favorite going forward. But anything kind of on, uh, stand out to you there? Not, not particularly. I mean, Napoli's drifting a little bit because their form's been a little bit off because they have a 700-point lead in Serie A. So I think they're like close to plus mm-hmm. 350 and are plus 410 or so now. So, But I, I don't think that's a, a huge deal. I mean... If there's any value to me, it seems like it's in one of the longer sh- in Benfica or Inter at you know plus fourteen plus sixteen hundred because you're basically hoping to get to the final and then you can hedge it or figure out how you want to play it. Then you got to pull one upset, knock off Napoli, and the other game is you know presumably not as difficult, but they're also playing each other. You got to figure out who you like there, etc. So there could be something there if you want to take a flyer, but other than that, not a whole lot. Yeah, I think you know that we'll get to the Benfica Inter matchup, which is. I don't know. I felt confident about it last week when we were talking about it. Now I'm like cocking myself into Inter potentially. So, yeah. you know, although they haven't, they've been terrible in, in their form, especially scoring goals in Serie A. But let's get to the, we'll start off with the big matchup, which is Tuesday, Manchester City against Bayern. Uh, I mean, this is now Thomas Tuchel versus Pep Guardiola. We saw it in the Premier League. Tuchel's actually had a decent amount of success against Guardiola as well. And mm-hmm. he plays kind of a style that does sort of seem to disrupt the, the teams that want to have a ton of possession. Like he'll, he'll let you kind of have the ball. They'll let you on the counter. Now, obviously, you know, this Bayern team has a ton of talent, just like they did at Chelsea. Uh, it's, it's, man, I, 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 maybe I'm being suckered into this, Paul, but I just kind of feel like, I don't feel like this is this the usual city, let's fade them here kind of thing. Like, oh, you know, they're just going to lose this once again. I mean, if you go historically, like, yeah, Bayern, they have the pedigree. They've won this thing multiple times before. Uh, and it's not really the turmoil that's that's turning me off against them. I just don't think this is your quintessential like great Bayern team. If you look at man for man, I mean, City just have better players. They do. There aren't mm-hmm. very many players I think that would even get into City starting eleven from the Bayern eleven. That's not even to say Bayern's eleven isn't bad. It's just not City's eleven. So where right. are you sitting here as we as we uh, start the two legs of the tie? These are always the hardest games to handicap, I think, and I mean that from the perspective of Bayern, PSG teams who are challenged less often in the league. And, you know, their numbers all look good. And you just don't know, like, Bayern has had the majority of the ball in virtually every game this season, except, like, the game against Dortmund, whatever. Um, What are they going to do when they don't have it? Like, we just, we have very little evidence for what happens. And that makes it really difficult to, you know, as many numbers as I've stared at to to come up with something that's going to happen here. So I, I kind of fall back on exactly what you said. City is better. City has more talented players. Uh, They're just flat better at almost every single spot. And so I, I kind of fall back on that. They're at home. Um, you know, Byron isn't going to go on the road, I can't imagine, and just like shut up shop and try to, you know, scrape out a draw or salvage a goal on the counter. That's just not how they play. It's hard to see them doing yep. that, even under Tuchel. Uh, so yeah, it's, these are tough to kind of figure out and process because I think one little thing can just turn the whole game on its head too. Or if Byron comes out, whatever, different personnel than we expected. Suddenly they are defensive or they're not defensive or, you know, you never know what kind of lineup Pep's going to roll out and tinker with. There's just, these are tough ones <laughs> yeah, right. to wrap your head around the first leg, especially. Yeah. I mean, first, a couple of interesting nuggets. One, uh, Joel Cancelo cannot play in this tie because he's owned by the parent right. club, Manchester City, which I don't know that is a big deal anyway, because I don't know that he was much in Tuchel's plans. It seems like he's kind of been the odd man out of several clubs that he's been at in recent history. So um, he's not going to be able to play. You know, like I said, if you're picking Bayern, I think it's because of history and reputation. 
the prices tell you that there will be goals. Let me get to the prices here really quickly. So to, to win, this is just to win the first tie. Um, City are you know minus one thirty five. The draw is plus three hundred, which that's kind of the Paul Carr range there, three hundred for the draw. Uh, and then Bayern Munich to win as the away team is is plus three fifty. Uh, they're basically telling you they, they think there's going to be over two and a half goals here. I actually kind of zag the other way. I'm not saying it's. I'm not going to touch the under two and a half. I I do kind of think I think City win. I think they'll probably win like 2-0, 2-1, something like that. Uh but I don't think it's going to be some like barn burner. I do think I think it kind of sets itself up for Bayern to be a little bit pragmatic. They're obviously on the road. But the other side of this coin is that City probably need to get a result here. Like they don't want to go back to Bayern not, you know, not having an edge here because then, you know, then you know all the press and everybody's going to talk about how they're going to bottle it and how like this is just classic Pep once again. So I, I really think the evidence is on City to get a result here. I think they're going to care. I think they're flying high. I mean, they've scored, what, 23 goals, I think, in their last, like, couple, what, four, four or five games. They're absolutely, you know, just flying, especially with Erling Haaland. So, I I don't know. Do you think it's a sucker? I, 135 isn't actually that bad of a price to me. Like, I'm looking at, like, can I get Manchester City? This is the Srudy special. Once again, you do a Manchester City to win, money line, and then, like, under four and a half goals, under five and a half, you get a pretty decent price for that. Yeah, I, I mean, the straight win, I think, I don't, think it's a great price um even yeah just given all the advantages city have i don't think i've played straight but yeah i can combine it with something i think that works um i just i do feel like cities like you said they need a result like they have to go for this so if it's you know whatever mm-hmm. one one in the 75th minute like they they have to go get another goal you cannot go to Bayern level it's just not a good idea um byron's also familiar with holland tuchel's obviously familiar with holland don't know what that means. I mean, it's something just to have seen him before and played him before. And I mean, you still have to deal with obviously the strength and the the speed and everything, but they have seen him. So everything kind of, I want to play Bayern some way, like it's plus what, plus 350 for a win, which yep. plus 350 on a Bayern win just feels ridiculous in general. I but say, I this, is, this has Paul yeah, Carr all over it in multiple ways. It, it really does. But I think I'm going to probably end up more in your camp as far as going with a better team and, and taking City with some combination here. It almost feels like this City team, you know, we, we talk about Pep kind of tinkering in the past. And this team is almost tinker-proof in a way. Although, I mean, he did, he he still was implementing like the three at the back system. Right, and, that's the you know, we're we're working in, you know, some of the younger guys. But, but like with, with a guy like Holland, like it just sort of forces your hand. Like you can't really change up your attack a ton when you have this massive Norwegian Viking who is just an, an unbelievable <laughs> yeah. goal scorer who's like outscoring actual Premier League team, like half of the teams in the table he's outscoring. Like you can't really tinker as much, which I think I think is actually really good for Pep because, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people that like to clown on him and, and think, okay, yeah, you, you won the Champions League with Messi. Like those don't count. Like we love to do this with the rings culture stuff and like get, do all these caveats. Like there's a reason that he's great. Yeah, right. he spends a lot of money, but... Like, you know, he attracts good players, he develops players. And but I actually think the 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 Holland thing in the Champions League is good for him because it just it forces his hand. Like he can't really he can't play like Foden false nine or he can't do some like weird thing out of nowhere like he did against Lyon. What was that last year or two years ago where he just Mm -hmm. like implemented a system he had barely ever played uh, before and um, they they get knocked out by a team that's completely inferior to them. So. Man, I, I really like City here. It scares me how much I like City here, but it's honestly more. I think it's more about Bayern. I just I don't know that I like Bayern. I don't know that I've seen enough, even with Tuchel, um, that 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 I, I find them as scary as teams in the past. I think it's kind of name only. Yeah, even as someone, I have a Bayern future at plus six hundred, which I was really happy about before the draw. Less happy now, uh, but I'm yeah, I'm just not as convinced that they're at the City level. Maybe they'll surprise us, but I, I don't see it right now. Yeah. All right, let's get to the uh, the next game on Tuesday. This is Benfica Inter. Paul, I, this one, you know, I think the, the weeks leading up to this, we are sitting there going, we're all over Benfica, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's time or just like the amount of people that have kind of jumped on that bandwagon, and I think potentially rightfully so, that has me going, wait, are Inter actually kind of undervalued here? Because, you know, Benfica, as we talked about, they another team kind of plays in a lesser league, maybe not as as obviously as dominant as, as as a Bayern or a PSG in their respective leagues. But you know, week in week out, they're going to out talent pretty much anyone that they go up against. Um, but here are the odds really quickly. So Benfica plus one fifteen, the draw is plus two thirty. Inter to win is plus two sixty. Now Inter have been atrocious when it comes to their XG and what the goals that they've yep. actually scored. I think they've, they've their XG is like ten in, like in their last couple games. They've only scored two goals. Uh, so they're mm-hmm. just like, I mean, Lukaku drastically out of form. Lautaro Martinez drastically out of form. 
But I could just kind of see Paul Inter just saying, cool, we're going to sit back. We'll, we'll gladly go back home with a nil-nil or whatever. I mean, again, Vegas is telling me that the under is, is, is what they're expecting. Very few goals here. But I'm weirdly talking myself into can Inter get a result against Benfica. I've had a similar sort of, I don't know, last few days. Like, So I played Benfica to advance when the draw came out at plus 120 because I like that a lot. I thought they were better than Inter. Inter was very fortunate to get by Porto. They really got outplayed for 160 minutes of the 180 and only got their goal after a Benfica red card late in that first leg. Um, Inter's a weird team because what I've seen of them, they've looked bad. Their underlying numbers look pretty good, better than the results. You know, they're yeah. another winless in, what, six straight games, I think, in all competitions. The underlying numbers yep. look pretty good. So, like, the, the math brain part of me wants to say, hey, they're due. They're going to do something. But I also saw them play Porto twice and look awful. And the underlying numbers were not good in those two games. Uh, and they've had a couple good games against the top Serie A teams this year and a couple bad games. So there wasn't really anything. I looked at the numbers there to try and divine something for playing a good team like Benfica. Um, I kind of just come back to like Benfica is better than Porto on the whole this season. I know they, lo- know they lost this weekend, but on the whole, they've been better. And Inter really was just outplayed in both games. So I, I still kind of lead Benfica, but my head is or is kind of yelling at me that these numbers are pointing toward Inter, but I just can't buy it yet. Last six games for Inter. Lost to Spezia 2-1. Draw 0-0 against Porto. Uh, they lost to Juve in, uh, that was in, that was in Serie A, 1-0. They lost to Fiorentina, 1-0. They drew uh, Juventus in the Italian uh, Coppa Italia, and then they drew Soren Tatana in this like last second, basically ridiculous cross from Antonio Candreva. So yes, they are winless in their last six. They've dropped out of the top four in Italy. Like it's kind of like an, in free fall mode here. But you're right, the underlying numbers just kind of scare me. And again, it's the amount of people that are on that are on Benfica that scare me a little bit. That that I'm just like, wait, is 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 this the classic like trap from Vegas that they're just like hoping that you do this? Now you said you got what Benfica at plus one twenty to advance before. Now it's at minus one twenty. Right. So. You obviously got a good price there, and it's sort of like the tide has turned a little bit there. But, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking because the under 2.5 is minus 148. And, I, again, I, I think this could be a 1-0, you know, either way. I kind of feel like it's the same thing against Porto. It's like the same mm-hmm. things that we were talking about. I think it's going to be a pretty, you know, pragmatic approach from this inter side. And, you know, but, but the minus 148 is not a good enough price. Like you ha- you'd have to probably combine that with something else. Like, I was looking, if you do both teams to score, no and under two and a half, that's plus 110. But I don't I don't know that I love that either because I could see it being a 1-1. This might mm-hmm. be a stay away from me, but I, I sit here and I go, I think this could be just kind of a potentially boring game. I think one of two things probably happen, Paul, right? It's either like Benfica just look good. They win like 2-0, 3-1, something like that. And, you know, it's all the things that we thought are true. Or it's just going to be like an inter, you know, drag it out, nil-nil. It's the 80th minute and they're just sitting back and, you know, uh, Benfica just peppering the goal trying to score. And, you know, they maybe they don't, maybe they do. But, I can just see Inter just kind of trying to hold on for dear life and taking this thing back to Italy. Yeah, I feel like they come down to a little bit. Just how much is Benfica going to go for it? Because I feel like we kind of know what we're getting with Inter. They're going to keep it tight. Maybe they open up late if there's the opportunity to get a goal. Uh, but is Benfica going to open up and just go? You know, they did against Club Bruges, but that's Club Bruges, uh, very probably the worst team in the round of 16. And Inter is at least a decent team. You know, they haven't looked good, but they're a decent team. So expect Benfica to dial it back a little bit. But I'll be very interested to see just how much let Otavio and Taremi how, let them cook. I don't know. That, that'll that be fun to watch. Yep. Uh, all right, let's get into, this is the Wednesday game. This is another juicy one here, Paul. And another one that I'm like kind of confused about. I think I, I, think I thought I liked a week ago and now I'm like questioning, you know, whether or not I actually like my original bet. That's Real Madrid versus Chelsea. Tough start to the Lampard 2.0 era. Really? One nothing lost to Wolves on what was an incredible goal uh, mm-hmm. by, by Wolves. And but it's just it's more of the same from Chelsea. Like they just they just cannot score. They can't figure it out. Now they did sit some guys. Like Conte didn't play. I don't know if this was because they're just completely punting. They, they they know that the Premier League is essentially nothing to play for, and they're saying, hey, the Champions League is kind of our only way to really accomplish any, anything this season, which is correct. I. <laughs> The other, the other part of this, though, is like, so you have Real Madrid coming off of a massive 4-0 win against Barcelona in the uh, Spanish Cup, but then they lose on the weekend in the league. I, I don't know that I love Real Madrid. I, I think they're a very flawed team. I think you look at what happened against Liverpool, like that first half, they looked bad, and then they kind of turned it around. I'm not sure that I'm super... I mean, we know that they are the Champions League masters. They have Carlo Ancelotti. He is Mr. Champions League when it comes to managers. He is that dude. Am I weird for thinking Chelsea can actually get a result here, Paul? Though, like, I, I don't, I don't know that it's that insane. 
Real Madrid does not play normal games. It's kind of where I land on this. <laughs> Correct. Like, They're like stuff's going to happen. Of, right. uh, it was 5 2 at Liverpool, you know, and weird stuff happens. We know about their pedigree in Champions League. I mean, even the, the weekend game against Villarreal was what? They lost 3 2. But again, just a weird yep. sort of game. A couple of Barcelona games have been weird games in the last month. Uh, it just feels like one way or another, there's got to be some goals in this. Uh, I know Chelsea would be thrilled and I would expect them to really sit back and try to pull out nil-nil or 1-1 and get back home. That seems like the Lampard way. Uh, Just be very pragmatic. But I'm not convinced. I mean, we hope Conte's back. I know Thiago Silva's back in training, so that would obviously help. But can either one of those guys go 90 minutes against Real Madrid? I'm not totally sure. Uh, So I just, I kind of think it's going to be Real Madrid doing Real Madrid things in this game. The home team over one and a half goals. So Real Madrid to score two goals in this game, minus 118. Don't hate that. I think you're right. Uh-huh. I think I think there will be goals here. The both teams to score is actually minus 112. Like I think I but I think Real Madrid is right for the taking as well. Like I don't think their defense has been leaky. Uh, you know, they certainly like to play on the counter. So, you know, Ch- Chelsea might have a lot of the ball and they might be able to the, the question is always whether they can do anything with it, which, you know, historically, <laughs> if you're saying like, no. of course they can't. So, Steve, why are you making this bet? Why do you think they're going to score? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's more for me about like, I just kind of like don't really trust Real Madrid to, to keep a clean sheet. So I kind of like if you do both teams to score over two and a half as plus one, one thirty two. I don't hate that at all. Like, I, again, I think this could be an up and down game. I mean, certainly we know that Real Madrid wanted to be up and down. They're going to be at home. Chelsea are going to, I, I don't, I just don't, because I think Lampard will probably play that 4-3-3. Conte will probably be back in the midfield. You know, I don't think they're going to sit back in a low block. So I, I could see there being goals in this game. That's, and that, so, you know, I don't, if, if you're looking at like what the actual um, odds are for taking winners, let me just bring it up really quickly here. Uh, Real Madrid minus one forty, the draw is plus two seventy. Chelsea to get to, to to get a win on the road is plus four ten. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I, I do think this could be a competitive match with some goals in it. So I, I both teams to score over two and a half, that a decent plus money. That's probably where I'll play this. Yeah, that's not bad. I'm, I just this is unpredictable. I think. I mean, Real Madrid should roll, but again, Real Madrid could do Real Madrid things. Chelsea could do Chelsea things. You know, for what they've done the last few years, somehow cobbling out a, a Champions League title out of everything, out of nothing. But I do think there's going to be goals one way or the other in this one. Yeah. All right, last game here. Let's get to Milan-Napoli. This one, Paul, I said last week that I was going to take Milan, I think, in the mm-hmm. first leg. And then yeah. they went out and beat Napoli 4-0. And now yeah. I don't really know what to think because I'm like, <laughs> is this going to be the Napoli? Is Because it's two, it's, two, it's two trains of thought. Is it the Napoli revenge game where like they're pissed off? Right. Or, or did they just say, hey, we'll let you have the league one because it doesn't matter to us. We've already won the league. And, you know, we'll actually do our thing and show our cards when it comes to the Champions League tie. But the other kind of thing is that Victor Oshiman is in doubt for this game. Again, he didn't play in the first one. Um, you know, you could argue he's the you know, top three striker in the world behind Mbappe mm-hmm. and Holland right now. He's mm-hmm. going to potentially be a hundred million plus guy to, you know, somewhere, maybe the EPL or whoever. Um, I don't know that I could really make a bet on this, Paul, until I know <laughs> what the status of Victor yeah. Oshiman is. Yeah, he's a big question mark for me. Um, without him, I mean, the under seems like the obvious play. I mean, it's minus 136 right now, under two and a half. Um, I know Milan scored four against Napoli, but that really just seems like one of those games where everything went in. You know, it, it happens. You get every decent shot like you Liverpool have, every half United. chance goes in. Right. It's just one of those things. Um, throw that game out, and Milan just hasn't scored much. I think it's multiple goals once in nine games, and they've only conceded multiple goals twice in that stretch. And we know Napoli's defense has been solid all season. Uh, I think only both teams have scored once in their last 11 games. So, yeah, it feels like a, an under, maybe both teams to score no type of game, but really want to know what Oshiman's going to, what his status is, because that totally changes. You know, you take out, again, one of the best strikers in the world. <laughs> Breaking news, your offense may not be quite as good. <laughs> going to be a problem. AC Milan at home, <laughs> plus 180. The draw is plus 210. And Napoli, plus 165. Again, I'm waiting. I'm just going to wait until, you know, Wednesday to see what what the deal is with Oshiman, but you know, I don't know. Like the, the AC Milan, they had this really really rough stretch where like they got blasted by like Sassuolo five two. They mm-hmm. were just losing, you know, not only losing but losing big at the start of the twenty twenty three. They've sort of made some personnel changes, especially at the back, um, and they've really turned it around. Although they dropped points over the weekend, I, I think this AC Milan team is actually not terrible, and I think you know it's one of those things where. You know, it's it's like it's like when you know in the year the NFL playoffs, you don't want to play like a division opponent, right? Because they just know you so well. Right. I, I almost feel like this draw is a blessing and a curse for Napoli because yes, it's better than drawing Manchester City or Bayern Munich or you know Chelsea or Real Madrid. But also, it's like 
it's somebody that you really know intimately and that knows you intimately. And there are kind of like no secrets here. They, they know what you're going to do. So I'm not saying AC Milan is, is live here. I, I, I don't think I would take them to advance, but it, it does kind of suck because we've been talking about Napoli all season long as like this team of destiny. They're playing so well. And right at kind of one of the more, most important parts of their schedule, they lose their striker. They're, they're kind of not in as much form as they used to be. And I don't know, it just kind of has me doubting them overall a little bit. You know, maybe, who knows, maybe they'll blow the doors off in the first leg and then it'll be over and it'll be, it'll be great and Ocean Middle score a brace and everybody be happy. But it, I, I'm, you know, I was on the, like, I'm going to back Napoli for, you know, for weeks. I was just betting them, whether it was like, you know, minus one or the, the over in their games or taking them to, to win on the money line. Yep, they're rolling everybody. Now, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit scared. I, I, don't, I don't feel like this is the same team that I had been betting on for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, Oshiman is just, it just makes everything tough. Now, the flip side, if you want the under now, if you want to play the under, you probably want to play it now because I would imagine if he gets ruled out, that's going to, price is going to get worse. Um, so that's the, that's the gamble we always make on these plays when you're a day or two out. If you want the under, now's the best time, but there's also the question mark of Oshiman playing. So I, I still kind of lean that way, even if yeah. he is in there, but it, it makes it tough to play and even root against if he is in the lineup for him. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll cover this when we get to our best bets at the end of the pod. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've talked myself in and out of different things. through <laughs> all four of these <laughs> matchups, I feel like. So, yeah. uh, so, so we'll see what we get at the end of the pod here. Let's transition to, uh, let's do the EPL title race, uh, which just took a, a, you know, an interesting turn, I guess, over the weekend with Liverpool getting Oof. the result, obviously at home against Arsenal. Arsenal are now six points ahead of Manchester City, but Manchester City have a game in hand and they play Arsenal at the Etihad, so at home. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time in weeks, I believe, that Manchester City have now overtaken Arsenal. Arsenal are plus 105, Manchester City minus 145 here, Paul. Both teams control their own destiny, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, I think you could look at it two ways. Do, do Arsenal, should they feel confident? Because basically, just like just don't lose that game at the Etihad. Now, obviously, they lost the game at home, so you don't you, you can't feel very confident going up against them. But I, I feel like there's all this talk, Paul, that oh, City are going to win out. You know, Arsenal have to win out, or else they're screwed. I actually I don't think that's going to happen. Like I think both these teams are going to drop points. Like I don't think oh, it's yeah, they always do. City are going to rip off 17 wins right. to end the season. Maybe they will, and that'll be incredible. But like th- th- there will be drop points, mm-hmm. I think, in the next couple of games. But do you? I don't know. Is th- is there any value on Arsenal here plus money being six points up here at this point? Or are you just saying, ah, eh, that's probably about the right price? I don't think so. I mean, if you really like them, you probably just take them like either a draw or a double chance or something when they have to go to City. Uh, Arsenal does have a tougher schedule. They still have to go to Newcastle, which is in as good form as yeah. anybody outside the top two right now. Uh, so City has an easier schedule. I think after this Arsenal game, I think they have a Brighton game that's to be scheduled, and that's it for the top you know six seven teams on their slate. Uh, See, I don't think there's a lot of value here. It was just, it was a weird, such a weird game for Arsenal, you know? I mean, it's one of those, you're up 2-0, how can you not win this game? And also, they could have lost, given up four, if Ramsdale's not standing on his head. So, they were, at the same time, very relieved to get a point, and you also blew a 2-0 lead, which is obviously not a good thing. So, such a, a strange game. I mean, I feel like in some ways, it's almost more about Liverpool. Like, this is, Again, Liverpool has been up and down all year, and now we saw kind of a microcosm of their whole season in really 45 minutes in the first half where they can't defend anything and then almost can't be stopped once they decide to really get things going. Uh, it, it makes me wonder what could have should have been for Liverpool in just about every competition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as the title goes, I don't, I don't see a lot of value yet. It's really just going to come down to that game. So you can almost make your play on that game because the odds are going to swing wildly whether either team wins that one. I'm going to this is just a like a little pet peeve aside here. Can we stop putting mm-hmm. these big games middle of the week? I don't like that these games are on Wednesdays. <laughs> I don't like it. Like I you know well, like they'll put the like one, the Merseyside Derby on a Monday. Or, yeah. This one was scheduled this like the Queen's funeral disrupted it, I think. Correct. Or is that yeah, a different yeah. one earlier this year? But, I think uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think you are right. Yeah. Either way they get yeah, these late season ones get weird. I mean Remember there was a big Manchester Derby on like a Tuesday or something a few years ago. I think it was, on, was that company's goal. It was, it was a midweek type of game. Or, you know, Chelsea mm-hmm. or Leicester clinched the title on a random midweek game that Chelsea beat Tottenham or whatever it was. Uh, they get weird as these uh, schedules get compressed and, and all this sort of thing, which it's not great. Yeah, that's the other thing too, is how do you how do we think the Champions League, obviously Arsenal have been knocked out of the uh the Europa League. So they're really only playing yeah. in this one uh, competition, which is which is big for them. While 
Manchester City are trying to win that elusive trophy that they haven't won. That is the most important trophy to them. If you're asking, I mean, they're not going to admit this out loud, but if you're asking them which one would they rather win, they'd rather win the Champions League. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's fair. Like, I think that's fair. Yeah. So how, how that sort of impacts what they do strategy-wise, like, because they're obviously going to have a congested schedule the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, do, does, does that impact rotations? Like, you know, that, that, that's to. another reason why I, I actually, that's another reason why I kind of love um, uh, Man- uh, Manchester City to win in the first leg at home against Bayern. Because they, if they can kind of put that out of reach or at least like a comfortable win right. in the first game, they can kind of take their foot off the pedal and relax and maybe rest some guys, you know, going into that second leg. Not, you know, not to say that they're going to win like 4-0 and they could just play backups, yeah. but if, if they can get, get two like nil, a 2-1-3... Three, yeah, something like that where they can feel a little bit better about themselves and not have to constantly be pressing. That just takes Tony not only physically but mentally week after week and then multiple games a week where you have to like be at your absolute best. Like that is an advantage for Arsenal. Um and it's going to be interesting to see how like how, I wonder how like City and and Pep will kind of play that out. I think that's the biggest thing Arsenal has in their favor because they don't have the easier schedule for the rest of the Premier League season. But City has two maybe five Champions League games between now and I know the finals afterward, but you're still at least thinking about that. Um and they got to wedge another Brighton game in there somewhere. So that's the that's the big thing for Arsenal. And I mean, it's good for them. Like Jesus looks like he's coming back and, and healthy. And that was kind of yep. the missing piece. I know Trissard filled it and uh, they had some success, but he gives them a little bit more up top. So if he's back and playing well, that's obviously a good thing for him. So they're not and they're not out by any stretch. Even like I said, teams always drop points. Like almost nobody ru- runs the table in the Premier League. You lose some random game. Soccer's a fluky sort of game, blah, blah, blah. So this is not a winner-take-all type of thing. Obviously, you're in a much better position. The margin for error is almost gone for whoever doesn't win that game. But Arsenal is far from out of this. Uh, the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause, like they played four games against those top four teams this year, and they beat United 3-2. That was a dominant game that really wasn't 3-2. Yeah. Um, but they lost to City. They lost United in that first one, which is fairly even, and they drew Newcastle. So, you know, they haven't... They've. There's kind of two ways sort of being a champion. One is beat all the good teams and one is beat all the bad teams. And Arsenal's done a really good yep. job of not dropping points when they shouldn't drop points, which has kind of been Arsenal's weakness for the fa- past few years. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of the question. Like, can they handle the better teams and get points when they have to? I don't know. But uh, they're going to be about as good spot as they can with all the rest and such. This is where this is the Everton fan of me, Paul. Where the last two seasons, <laughs> Arsenal have, have kind of have been kind of ruined by Everton. Last year, uh-huh. they uh-huh. miss out on top four because they get the new, <laughs> they they lose uh, on an incredible Damari Gray goal. Right, uh, that was one of the reasons that you know it was one of the few wins that Everton even had in like a few months stretch there. Uh, and then this year, obviously, the, I think mean, was it the first Sean Dyche game? I believe he comes back and beats Arsenal one nil, and like you never know, like that's that's a game where like Everton were just absolutely atrocious form, and then they don't get any points against what was a you know certainly a bottom three team at the time. You know that's going to be does that come back to haunt them? Maybe pretty interesting. But uh, Everton also took points off City this year, so like who not, Everton are like the opposite. They 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 like to no take sense. points off of the big teams and then lose to the teams they should right. be beating, and that's why they're currently sitting in seventeenth. But actually, that's a great transition because let's move on to the other side of the table here and a little bit of U.S. news as Jesse Marsh has. Well, over the weekend, it was basically rumored that he was going to take the Leicester right. job, and we had talked about it on the last pod about whether or not that would be a good fit. I think both of us thought it actually would be a good fit. Turns out he actually turns down. He withdraws from the uh, from, from the interest in, in taking over as their manager. And it was kind of like a weird excuse because it was like disagreements over whether or not he fit the champ. Like if they had actually gotten relegated, like he didn't really think he was the right fit to take this team back up, which is which is interesting to me because I don't know, like, don't you want the opportunity to keep the team in the Premier League? But then this the, on the other side of this, can you just say, hey, maybe this is a guy who knows that he has the U.S. job and is going to say, hey, I, I'm only taking a good Premier League job because I know I have this thing as a backup. What did you make of this, Paul? Because it was kind of weird. I mean, I, I feel like there's just so much that we don't know here. And the fact that he's basically been reported to be a, on the verge of taking two different jobs and both of them fell through. I mean, he's mm-hmm. obviously the constant in those two things. I, I don't know. Like, is he making unusual demands? Are these clubs just getting super paranoid and controlling? I I really don't know what is the reasoning is behind either one of them. You know, it could go either way. You know, the clubs are saying you have to stay or don't have to stay, and he wants to do the opposite. He could be looking for. I mean, there could be money involved. It could be guarantees. I I just don't know. There's something kind of weird though that it's happened twice. So I, I would love to get the whole story on why that is. I don't know that we ever really will. Maybe we'll get one side at some point. But he, I guess, I guess he's in 
the catbird seat that he can kind of take his pick. But at the same time, you got to pick something eventually. So I, I don't know. It's, a, it's good that he's being interested or people are interested in him. But at some point, yep. you also like need a job if you're going to do your job, right? I, I totally agree. Like, I wonder if, like, the, the, I talked about it last pot. I, I thought the Lester job's actually a decent job because this mm-hmm. is historically a pretty well-run club. They've been on hard times. They've had, an, obviously, a terrible year. But I don't think it would be insanely difficult to get them out of this situation. They still have good players, Paul. Like, they still, right. I mean, Madison, Barnes, like we talked about, I mean, the, de- the de- defense is terrible. The goalkeeping situation is bad. And, you know, maybe you could argue that he isn't the, the best guy at, like, organizing a team at the back. And that's kind of what this team needs because they just leak goals left and right. But right now they sit in 19th. They have 25 points. And, you know, but they're a win from getting out of the bottom three. It's not like this isn't like some, you know, insane task. And yeah. there are certainly teams on paper that are worse than Leicester. So I think it is a little bit of a, rest, a risk from, from Jesse Mars because, you know, sure, you can keep saying no, but like, you know, I, are you going to, like in this summer, are, are these teams, these teams are desperate, right? So they're like, who's available? And Jesse's a name, right? Mm-hmm. And they... I understand from their perspective, they're like, hey, we want to bring you in maybe for the rest of the season because we want to reassess what the heck our club is if we either right. stay up or go down. And But the managers are in, are in, are in a, obviously in a, a pretty, you know, a good position saying, well, I'm either give me a two-year deal or plus or I'm not coming, right? And that's where I think some of these clubs get stuck. And it's why I think Everton smartly, which is insane to say, got Sean Dyche because he's he was kind of like the last of, I think, those managers that really wanted to just get back into a club. And mm-hmm. now you're left with like, you know, you're you're at the bottom of the barrel of guys who kind of have leverage on you. So on one hand, I'm like, good for Jesse Marsh for saying, you know, for standing his ground and saying, no, I like, I know I want these different things if I'm going to take over the job. But also I'm like, is Jesse Marsh going to get a Premier League job in the summer? Like, I, I don't think so. Right. I mean, there's only whatever, we'll say 10 or 12 teams that he could realistically manage for in the Premier League. You've already turned down two of them. So they're off the list if they stay up. Um, maybe he looks at the schedule and see, like Lester has to go to Man City this weekend. Not a great start. It's not pretty, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if he's... They also have to play, you know, Liverpool and Newcastle over the last couple of weeks, two of the last three weeks of the season. They have a soft spot in between. They got Wolves, Leeds, Everton, sorry, uh, the three after the City game, and then Fulham. Yeah. So you've got... Like, that's where you got to make your hay and get your... You know, you got to get, I mean, six points at the very least out of those four games, probably. Um, so the opportunity's there, even though... You have a, the holes of City and Liverpool and Newcastle as well. I, I don't know if that's part of it, but I, I feel like it's got to, one way or the other, it's got to be coming down to like longevity of contract, guarantees if they're promoted or not, uh, who's going to stay, who's going to go, that kind of thing. But it is weird just to, for him to say no twice. And yeah, you say no so many times, like is the next team going to come calling? I, I don't know. I don't know how much he, of it's on his side, how much it's on the club side or what. Yeah, this is also a guy who is like, you know, he 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 took the prove it job last year with Leeds, kept mm-hmm. them up, and then still got sacked. Right, he and maybe it. he's like, I don't want to go through that again. Totally understand why you wouldn't. <laughs> but again, I, I look at the schedule. I could, five of Leicester's last eight games are winnable games. They are winnable games, yep. as you mentioned. Like yep. Man City, all right, say it's a loss, but they're home to Wolves. Uh, they go to Leeds. They're home against Everton. Uh, they go to Fulham. They are home against Liverpool away at Newcastle and they finish up home against West Ham, they, five of those games they could realistically win. Yeah. I mean, if you win four of those, you probably stay up. So I, I, I thought this was kind of an opportunity for him. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Maybe, again, maybe he knows he has the U.S. job in his back pocket and he can just say, you know, whatever. Come Give me an offer I can't refuse and you didn't. All right, let's move on to uh, Ricardo Pepe here. This is speaking of the U.S. guys. This is an interesting quote from our guy, the number one striker currently right now, who is owned by German club Osprey. You can come through um, if you want, they Heather. set the record, by the way, for the um, most expensive American sold to a European club, 20 million just like what, last year, I believe. Um, he does not seem very happy with his parent club. Now, obviously, he's uh, on loan. I can never pronounce this name, Paul. Pronounce the name for me, the, the, the uh, Eredivisie team. Groningen? Groningen, sure. There you go. <laughs> I can't, can't say I'm, I'm locked in. Uh, just see it, like scroll on the bottom. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's the team he plays for. I know it, but, but I can't pronounce it. But he had a very interesting quote about like what his future is going to be. He yeah. said, quote, for me, it's clear. I do not want to go back to Osberg. I have already let the club know that. I have been promised and promised things that have not been fulfilled. Then it's simple. Then you have to look for another club. Uh, you know, I, I saw some people criticizing this, especially German fans and people, but I actually think this is 100% the right take by Pepe. It's a terrible fit for him. It was never right from from day one. 
I think there was an American owner who kind of wanted to get him in. That was like a splash signing. And they were in the middle of a relegation battle. It's not a very good club. I, I kind of look at this and go, if he can, and, and there is reportedly some interest from some of the bigger clubs in the Netherlands. Right. Um, so if, if Ricardo Pepe can stay there, continue to hone his goal scoring skills in Europe, and then maybe make a jump to a top five league again at some point in his career, I think that's the play. So if, if Pepe is saying this, I think I, kudos to Pepe for saying this out loud, because I think it's his career. And this is the hundred percent, the right move is for him to not go back to the German league. Yeah, I mean, I have to... So he's got, I, I believe, three years left on his contract after this. So it's not like he's getting out this summer or something. Um, but I have to think this is... I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at this optimistically. I have to think they say this. He and you know his agent presumably talking to him saying this, knowing that there are some opportunities out there and he's always well, burning bridges. They aren't like bridges that he ever planned on going back across to kind of stretch out the analogy a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... I like that he's showing the interest in playing higher. I mean, that's good. That's what we need as U.S. fans. Uh, go somewhere bigger. And yeah, if you've failed that much at Augsburg, I mean, maybe they burned some of the bridges and loan him out. I don't know. But he struggled so much. It's almost like, you know, uh, what's the Goodwill hunting line? Buckner going back into Shea type of thing. Uh, this place <laughs> yep. where you, you struggled and you know, didn't make a mistake at that level, obviously, but were just so not good. You know, no legals in about 15 games for Augsburg uh, in, in Bundesliga play at least so they were also like defending for like you know 90 right. minutes in most of the games they were playing right. and like it, it was kind of like Josh Sargent at Norwich like you just were not going to develop there because right. you're not actually playing striker like yeah. you would normally so in, I mean in I think situations. I think it's the right move from a where you want to go standpoint you know is it the right move politically to figure that out I'm not as convinced but I have to assume there's some sort of uh, plan that's almost already in place because if you're a smart agent you're at least kind of setting them up and saying, look, you can say this now, it's okay because we've got these things lined up or something like that. So I, I hope that's the case because otherwise it would be a little bit weird if you're just like grenading the bridge when you really have to go back that, that way. But I don't think he does. As someone who couldn't care less about it from an Augsburg uh, perspective and only cares about it from a U.S. perspective, yeah. throw all the grenades you right, want. That's right. like, I'm, whatever makes him, whatever helps him develop into the best player they could right. possibly be, which is not staying there, that's, I'm, I'm all for it. Maybe, so, uh, so maybe Ernie Ricardo, like all the U.S. fans have your back. Yeah, maybe Ernie Stewart's bringing yeah. him to PSV and they've already had some conversations like that. It's been rumored. That would be great. You know, I don't Again. know how much smoke there is or how much fire there is behind the smoke, but that'd be a great spot. You know, move up in the Dutch League. You're still in the Dutch League, which should keep building confidence because you know we know goals are have a high exchange rate there. Uh, but yeah, that'd be a great spot for him to take the next step and presumably get some European play out of it too. Yeah. All right. One quick thing, too, before we get to our best bets here. I uh, just want to talk about the Mal Swanson injury, which was very right. devastating. Uh, it was, a, it was right. a, just a tough scene. Yeah, obviously, against the, against against uh, Ireland on Tuesday. She tore her patellar tendon. Obviously, the U.S. Women's, women's national team star. We have a World Cup coming up this summer. It, it just it appears extremely unlikely that she's going to be able to play in that. And, you know, as, as one of the like the more, you know, exciting and fun to watch attacking players on the on the squad. Uh you know, I, I, the U.S. women's team is deep. Like, they, yeah. you know, they've already announced kind of like, you know, what, what their next setup is going to be and who's going to take her place. But I, I, you know, she was one of the people that I think I was most looking forward to in this World Cup. And obviously for her mm -hmm. to, to suffer that knee injury is pretty devastating. I mean, hopefully, you know, it doesn't seem like it'll be like a, a thing that'll impact her career long term. But, you know, missing a World Cup just a couple oh. months before with an injury like this has to be pretty devastating. I mean, it's just, it's got to be the worst thing from a professional standpoint. You know, it happened to the men last year with Miles Robinson, where he was, you know, probably the starting U.S. center back and he tore his... Uh, Achilles in May, I think it was. Uh, just the worst thing from a, a personal standpoint. And from a team standpoint, yeah, the U.S. has depth. You know, I think it was Ali Krieger who said it before the last World Cup, like the second U.S. team could probably make the quarterfinals or semis, which is somewhat true. Uh, but at the same time, Swanson was the best attacking piece they had right now. She'd scored in six straight games. She had seven of their 16 goals this season. Uh, and, you know, you just, you can't replace somebody in that kind of form as, as hot as she was running. So, yeah, they have the pieces. You know, Sophia Smith will probably move from the right to the left and you try to plug in Trinity Rodman or Lynn Williams on the right. Um, they've got Alyssa Thompson, an 18-year-old from Angel City who could slot right into yeah, that left spot. They called her in. She might play in that this next Ireland game this week. So they've got options. But yeah, you lose a little bit of depth. You know, you hope there's not another injury that makes it worse. Uh, but yeah, just for her as much as anything, it's just, you know, she disappeared from the team a little bit. She wasn't on the Olympic team a couple years ago. Uh, she was back in the form of her life, and now it looks like the World Cup is is not there for her. Yeah, too bad. So, best of luck to her. She'll be all right. She'll come out on the other end, and, you know, hopefully... I you know, will throw one thing in. in. In four more years. 
yeah, one more thing. Julie Ertz back on the field, which is great. I mean, she played 20 minutes, 23 minutes. So it's not like we have a sense of how fit or good she can be. But uh, yeah, she pushed forward a little bit more than maybe she used to. She kind of made a joke. She was almost kind of out of, not conditioning shape, but like positioning sort of shape uh, to find her spot. But she should hold that midfield together better and also give the U.S. some good opportunities on set pieces. They've been struggling on that this year and about three quarters for goals, 15 of 20 goals. I've uh, been off set pieces in her career. So good to see her back. Yeah, definitely. For sure. All right, let's get to our best bets here. Paul, tough week for All you right. because one, you had Brighton Moneyline and you could argue that the refs, like I almost want to give you a pass on this one because the, <laughs> the, the refs totally, yeah. I mean, we, again, we were talking about whether or not we wanted to talk about the Andrew Robertson, uh, elbow, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was completely overblown. Um, Liverpool fans would probably be mad at me and call me an Everton fan, which is true. But like again, I just thought it was really overblown. But you could really argue that like the the ref, the, the refs screwed Brighton over again against that game multiple times yeah. against Spurs. So you had the money line, which is plus one sixty five. I almost want to give you you know like a, a, a pass or a mulligan <laughs> on that one just because it was so unfair. Going to push somehow, but, uh, yeah. but not great. But no. not great. Uh, you are right now. You're ten and eleven minus about a one one unit. So you're you're basically about even. I am twelve and nine up almost three units. Uh, last weekend was a good weekend. I completely nailed the Manchester United Everton game because mm-hmm. I, again, I, I I'm not afraid to bet on my own team. I know what they're going to do going into some of these matchups. Um, interesting. As we talked about, t- I, I think the Champions League slate is tough this week. So why don't you lead us off with your first best bet, Paul? Okay, I'm just going to stick with my almost priors of sorts and take Benfica to win plus 115 right now. It's been up and down a little bit. And that's where at at the moment. I just think on the whole they're better, and I know some of the inter numbers are are yelling at me and saying. You know, we're better than our results have indicated, and that might be true, but those results have been horrific. They weren't they were just bad against Porto. So I'll stick with Benfica to win this first leg outright at plus one fifteen. Yep. I, that's the the Paul special. I, when, I I see some value there. I think you're probably right. Maybe I'm just in my own head, as we talked about before with this inter thing. I don't know, but I, I'm that's probably gonna be a stay away from from this from a side perspective there for me. I'm gonna kick it off with I'm gonna this again, go back to this Rudy special, Man City, uh the money line and under four and a half goals is plus one thirteen. I I think Man City win. I don't think they blow them out. Can I see a three one tops that still gets me that still gets me plus money, still gets me the win? I think it'd be two nothing. I think it'd be one nothing. Like I don't think this is gonna be a high scoring game. I really don't. I think Byron is gonna be pragmatic, as I said before. I don't think they're gonna take a ton of chances. Like they are still good at the back at the end of the day. And um, Samara's kind of stepped in as a, as a he's, he's a good veteran goalkeeper has been in the Bundesliga for a while obviously you know stepped in pretty seamlessly for that team so you know I, I don't think Byron gets blown out but I think they lose because I think City have to win this game so you know give me a 2-0 2-1 3-1 something like that and I hit my bet alright I'm going to do a Saruti special of a different sort in the same game let's keep it uh, rolling so I like again I like goals a few goals at least one way or the other uh, and I like City just because I think they're better so over two and a half City double chance builds to plus 100. So you're giving me the coin flip that, you know, City wins this one, 2-1, 3-1, or even like a gets crazy and there's a 2-2 draw if things get weird. Uh, so I'll play over two and a half and City double chance, even money. So you're, you and I are kind of on op- opposing sides there with like how many goals can be scored. We need a nice middle at three or four. That's okay. Yeah, listen, the, the, the three, 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 one, right? It's, it uh-huh. hits it for both of us. That's yep. fine. We'll take it. We'll absolutely take that. Uh, so that's what we'll be rooting for. All right, my next one here. This is, I talked about this before. I'm going to go Real Madrid, Chelsea, both teams to score over two and a half goals. I, I think this is like the opposite of, I think this is what um, what people expect Bayern City to be. I think it's going to be kind of fast-paced, high-scoring. Both these teams are like, I mean, Chelsea typically are pretty solid at the back, but they're playing at Real Madrid who just love, love, love to take advantage of mistakes, um, especially on the counter. And I think I think Chelsea is going to have a lot of the ball too because that's just the way that... that um, that's uh that real like to play. Mm-hmm. I think Chelsea do score a goal. Like that's the only one thing for me. Like, do Chelsea actually score? But I don't know. It's one of those things where like it's a combination of I like like the the, the game flow situation. And I also think they're kind of due. So Chelsea, Real Madrid, both teams to score over two and a half goals. That's plus one thirty two, Paul. So that'll be my second one. I like that. I'm gonna keep it simple here, although I feel like maybe I shouldn't, and just take the straight over two and a half, minus one oh four. I should I feel like maybe I should combine this with something like a Real Madrid win or a Real Madrid double chance because it's really hard to see Chelsea, you know, are they going to win this one two to one? Doesn't really seem likely, but I'm just going to kind of settle on the over two and a half because like I said, Real Madrid doesn't do normal. Stuff's going to happen. The last four matches have averaged four and a half goals, 3.8 expected goals. So those aren't fluky types of things. And I don't think Real's going to sit on this, you know, a one nil home lead against a weak Chelsea side. I think they're going to pour it on uh, while they can. 
So I'll just take the over two and a half at, at minus 104. And I wouldn't hate it if someone wanted to pair that with a, a Real Madrid result of sorts. I don't hate that either. Don't hate it at all. Um, all right, I'm going to close out here. This is the one that I feel the less, the, the, the least good about, I guess. And this is yeah. the Benfica intergame. Uh, give me, <laughs> this is really the Srudi special. Give me Benfica in the draw, so the double chance. Because, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I, I've talked... I talked myself kind of into Inter, but now I'm like, you know what? I think it's like a safe bet to say Benfica aren't going to lose this game at home. And I still like the under two and a half goals there. Mm-hmm. That gets me plus money. That's plus 104. So Benfica, double chance, under two and a half goals. It's a little bit risky because, I don't know, maybe Benfica do run away with this game. And if Inter do score, then obviously this is kind of troublesome right. uh, for this bet. But I'm getting plus money on that. And and I think, again, I, I just don't think, now that I really think about it, I, I don't think Benfica lose this game at home. I really don't. I mean, listen, I've, crazier things have happened, but I'm kind of with you there. But I'm, I'm a little bit scared. I kind of lean more towards the draw, so that's why I'll take the double chance. Yep. Yeah, that sounds good. And I think we're probably on the same page with the last game, the Milan-Napoli game. At least right now, I'm probably going to stay away until yeah. we know if the Shemi's in. Um, I lean under, or both teams to score no at even money, if that's uh, you know a little more your speed. But uh, yeah, it's hard to make a bet before we know who's in the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so we will be back next Monday too before the second legs of these uh, of these quarterfinal ties. A lot of exciting matchups here, Paul. I don't know. I think I think you know as we talked about before, like the two sides of the bracket have made this kind of like a nervy, weird. It's almost mm-hmm. like you know, like the the A the A League and the B League. <laughs> like, yeah, bit, it's very yeah. very strange where we're, we'll have somewhat of an underdog playing you know one of the big giants in the final. So it'll be exciting. So we'll see kind of how it, it unfolds, and we'll get our, uh, our our bets again next Monday for the second legs of these ties and see where things are at. So. Uh, Anything else before we bounce? No, should be fun. This is my my favorite time of the year is all these league races, Champions League races are coming down the stretch and everything's happening all at once and things change so much on a single goal and the single bounce, whatever it might be. Yeah, and you got a little bit of homework, so you got to you got to go watch Welcome to Wrexham. So then next, maybe next time we'll uh, <laughs> we'll break down a little bit more of the fish division in England. But uh, no, no, it's uh, it's good stuff. I'd recommend it to anybody. But uh, thanks as always to Paul Carr. Thanks to our producer Stefan Anderson. Best of luck on everyone's bets, and we'll catch you next week.